This is Space Waffles, a Star Wars podcast. Welcome to Space Waffles. I am your host, Arzu, and with me are my fellow waffles, Candice. Hey! And Katrina. Hello there. So today we are talking about a subject that I think is very near and dear to everyone's heart. Mm-hmm. And that is Force Diets, specifically Anakin Skywalker and Asajj Ventress, a secret Force Diet. Secret in that nobody yes. ever talks about this. Very secret. Very, I, you know, like we'll get into this later, but there's a big reason it's secret and I have a hunch as to what it is. Is it so secret because nobody ever thought about it and it doesn't exist? Yeah, that too. Okay. <laughs> we are speaking it Asking into the real existence questions. and therefore it exists. We, we are seeing Big Palpatine was trying to keep us away from this dyad, but you know what? It, it's not it's not happening. It's Sorry, always palps. palps. Yeah. It's always palps. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's always, oh, palps. always palps. Ruining mm-hmm. a good time for everybody. <laughs> so let's just let's just dive right in. So Katrina, this was this was a concept you brought to me and immediately yes. I was like, yes, all about <laughs> this. So I'm going to I'm going to let you just walk us into this. And yeah. we go from there. Uh, so I I love the concept of dyads, romantic, non-romantic. I, I love the idea of like soulmates in uh, in Star Wars or twins in Star Wars in that kind of way. And uh, Asajj and Anakin's um, stories pace very similarly and like starkly different. The, I like to call them opposite parallels uh, because a lot of the things that they go through uh, – happen like to one of them at one point of their lives and one and the other one at the other point of their lives. Um, so I thought they were just a really interesting combination as, as someone who's been like a fan of the prequel era and the Clone Wars for like my whole life, basically. Uh, it's It's been something that stood out to me, um, both in Legends and in Canon. And so I really thought that uh, that these two were worth an exploration. So when when we first started sort of breaking breaking this concept down and stuff, my main thought went to the Anakin and Asajj duel in the 2D Clone Wars, which Uh. incidentally is covered on Katrina's pod, a, oh goodness, a fight club far, far away. (laughs) I called it a podcast far, far away. That's what it's called. (laughs) Synergy at work. Look at this. Because our networks are coming together. It's like when Disney Channel did all those crossovers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is this the, the sweet life on deck right here? Yeah, the sweet, the sweet life of Hannah Montana on deck or something like Sorry, that. Sorry, that's what it was. Oh my the gosh, sweet life. No, okay, I lost it. I lost it. Because there's a third one. Mm-hmm. Okay, she never mind. Really Keep going. anyway. So, so my first thought was just that fight and kind of, as we talk about on Katrina's show, sort of the way they interact there. But then, mm-hmm. as we really got into it and started like getting onto our show notes. I realized, like Katrina said, that there are these huge parallels that sort of follow Anakin and Asajj, like, their whole lives. Mm-hmm. Starting, like, right at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, they are both uh, child slaves. Uh, Asajj is given away to save her people, and then Anakin eventually is given away to the Jedi uh, due to a prophecy. So uh, they start out, like, uh, in servitude, and they're both pulled out of it by Jedi Masters. What I think is is interesting about that is the Jedi Master that kind of pulls them out of these circumstances, mm-hmm. like Qui-Gon in Anakin's case and Kyneric in Asajj's case, is like they really imprint on this person who sort of pulled them out of servitude. 
Yes. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, and it's immediate too, because, you know, obviously we noticed that with Anakin, but Kai gets to spend 10 years with Ventress, raising her as a Jedi. Um, So they both are like brought into the life of a Jedi as children away from slavery. Um, And it's so, it's so funny because as I was reading through Dooku Jedi Lost, it is also uh, Kai and Qui-Gon who are competing quote unquote, they're not really competing because they're like chill guys, but you know, they're, they're competing in a way to, to become Padawans and Kai really wants to be Dooku's Padawan and it does not work out for him. So it's really funny how, like, I think all of these people who hold such important roles in, in both Anakin and Asajj's lives, uh, weave so closely together, you know? That's true. I'd forgotten about the, the Kai and Qui-Gon connection. Yes. That's very true. (laughs) i'll go on (laughs) that's an entirely different podcast well well, here's my thing here's my thing with qui-gon especially specifically as it pertains to anakin is like he Mm -hmm. does obviously imprint on qui-gon because Mm -hmm. qui-gon is the person who took him off of tatooine but he is he knows him for a grand total of two days yep yeah maybe three and then spends the next you know 14 years of his life being raised by you know person who deserved better and never did a thing wrong in his life, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah. We don't really see this in, in the movie so much, but in like in like books and in the 2D Clone Wars, we do see Anakin throw this Qui-Gon connection in Obi-Wan's face a lot at his yeah. at his darkest mm-hmm. moments. He's like, you're not my real dad. And like that to Qui- <laughs> Obi-Wan all the time about Qui-Gon. Like, you're not Qui-Gon Jinn. I'm like, Obi-Wan's like, yeah, that's fair. And I'm like, Obi-Wan, stand up for yourself. First of all, stand up for yourself. Second of all, I granted this is a whole other thing, but this is sort of about Anakin's, I guess, mm-hmm. already falling to the dark side, his lack of perspective, his anger, all of this that he's holding on to and never really had a way to let go of is that he doesn't realize that however much pain he's feeling about the potential of Qui-Gon, mm-hmm. like Obi-Wan has, what is it, 10, 12 years of actually having known Qui-Gon. Yeah, more, more than that, because he's mm-hmm. 25 by the end. and Don't they get picked up at like 11 or 12? Yeah, he was like 13, I would say between 11 to 13. Okay, so Plus like- Plus he's started. known a Qui-Gon just in the temple too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's, no, he's known Qui-Gon his whole life. He was functionally raised by Qui-Gon from adolescence to adulthood. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of takes it all from Anakin because this is what- the big brother that's raising the little brother after dad dies kind of does. Yeah. It's, just, uh, he it's takes the brunt of it. Mm-hmm. You see it really bad, like in the Clone Wars, not the Clone Wars, just Clone Wars animated series mm-hmm. where this fight between Ventress and Anakin is, is like when Obi-Wan calls Anakin up to come for his <laughs> trial, he's like, gives him all this freaking attitude like that. And it's just, I'm sorry. No, yeah. but you're, but what I think is interesting about this Kai Qui-Gon sort of connection is, you know, both of them lose their master, like, permanently. Like, they mm-hmm. die. But where Obi-Wan takes on Anakin and is very empathetic to the loss that Anakin is feeling, even though Obi-Wan's losses is definitely far greater, by the time Asajj kind of moves on to Dooku, granted as an adult and more as an assassin than a formal apprentice, like, he doesn't care. No. That she's in a bad place. No. He uh, he he uses that to his yeah, advantage. Yeah, he likes it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah it's not that he doesn't care. That's for he, us. He's glad she's upset. Yeah. I mean, he when you when you think about the intensity of, like, his training, we meet Ventress in Dooku Jedi Lost 
not too long after she has become his apprentice and, and started going through all of these trials and traumas. And the first thing she does is think of ending it. And it's like, it was so impactful to me. It was such like a, a rush in my face of like the intensity of how, what her training was like and what that alluded to. It's, uh, it's, it's wild. And then, you know, alternatively, you know, as after, you know, before Ventress gets picked up, but around, you know, that time in Anakin's life, he's training at the Jedi Temple, trying to become a Jedi Knight and go beyond uh, a Padawan. And, uh, and that's the era where we meet him and Ventress meets him. Do you think this is pure speculation on my part, but now that I think about this concept of now bringing it together as a dyad, as their sort of their abilities, their connection, all of this kind of rising and falling at once. Mm -hmm. Do you think that Asajj going with Kai is roughly the same time Anakin is pulled off of Tatooine? Or is that Mm. too early? Because I know she was a teenager at some point. Yeah, she was. With Kai, but I don't know how far along that was. Yeah, I mean, Star Wars has been pretty iffy about like how old she is, when things happen to her. Um, So I, you know, I wouldn't... I would say that like where Kai is, because he ends up getting stranded on on Rat Attack uh, under like some kind of blockade or something like that. The story has changed and is a little vague now, um, but he's stuck there, and the Jedi don't come looking for him. And uh, and whether it's because he's left the Order or like there's a blockade, it's never entirely clear when Asajj recounts it. Um, and I I just think that like that either was the very beginning of the clone wars or it was very close to it because if the you know if the story is that kai was stranded there and jedi didn't come for him which i believe is a dooku narrative uh then i would assume they were very busy yeah okay who knows so, <laughs> so yeah so maybe not quite because I feel like Anakin is younger than Asajj, so maybe not quite. Yeah, no, I would definitely or, put Or Asajj maybe younger. the Jedi just, like, dropped his call or something. And right. <laughs> like, he was kind of weird. I don't – maybe he should just stay there. Yeah, like, Qui-Gon Jinn is the only one who liked him. Mm-hmm. And they're like, mm, mm. I can Kai, see that, though. Qui-Gon's the one who likes the offbeat ones. Yeah, I feel like Kai was, like, Qui-Gon's – uh, Quinlan Vos, you know, like the way he's portrayed, especially in Dooku Jedi Lost as a Padawan, he's like very excitable, very like, you know. The oh. guy. <laughs> what if, um, what if like he's trying to call them, but it's like Qui Gon Jinn's funeral? I'm like, Whoa, they're just no. rejecting the call. <laughs> There's nobody God. there to pick up the phone. Yeah, they they don't have like a secretary because like everyone's like, I gotta go quiet on Jen's funeral. Oh my gosh, he was oh cool God. dude. That's morbid. <laughs> but you know, either way, uh, he he stays there, and the two of them like it's so wild to like see Ventress as she is in the Clone Wars and think like as a teenager she was considered a Jedi hero on on rat attack like they were helping the people there from warlords that were trying to occupy uh the the territory and the warlords eventually you know won because they ended up uh putting Asajj into the gladiator pit right as a teenager which is which is just a fantastic sequence of the 2d clone wars oh my gosh i've not seen this do yourself a favor yeah, it is so. I love the way Asajj is, is introduced in the 2D Clone Wars because she's obviously like right off the bat, she's so violent. She's so like intimidating. Like, you know, uh, you can tell that she has power, but at the, at the core of it, like she 
immediately like falls to her to a knee after Tuku electrocutes her um, and, and becomes his apprentice. Like it's such a, a snap decision uh, because she wants revenge so badly for what happened to her master. And I think that's the diver divergence from like Qui-Gon is like Anakin didn't, he didn't, you know, carry Qui-Gon as he was dying. You know, he didn't, he didn't hold Qui-Gon and watch him die like Asajj held Kai as he was dying. Um, and I think that is like one of the major disconnects in their, in their story that kind of, you know, plays into, I think, Ventress's understanding of what loss is and Anakin's understanding of what loss is. Right. Well, because I think Ventress, it, you, you sort of point this out in our notes too, Katrina, but the way they approach anger Mm -hmm. is so starkly different. Like yes. Ventress kind of has the emotion in the moment, does something about it in the moment, whether mm -hmm. that is pledging her life to Dooku or trying to help Ahsoka escape the temple like post-trial. But Anakin, like any form of loss or grief or anything that he goes through, he internalizes it mm -hmm. and he doesn't express it. And it just kind of festers in there. And that's where the darkness is. And it kind of pulls on that well of darkness within him until it eventually completely overcomes him yeah i and honestly i i think that that is a, a very like like definite way to describe their force abilities and how strong they are uh because asajj ultimately like she has energy and she uses it immediately kind of in that in that sense like but uh she i believe it was like the first very first episode of the 3d clone wars where yoda says uh, you're strong in the dark side or strong in the dark side you are, uh, but not that strong. Um, and I think instead of, of course, it was like him sort of insulting and playing with her. But it was also, I think, his way of saying, like, this isn't where you're meant to be. Like, you're not meant to be a Sith and I can feel it. And it's not necessarily that you're meant to be a Jedi, but this is not what you're supposed to be. And this is not where you're going to be the most powerful. It's not going to be your like the best version of you that you can reach. So on that note, I want to jump like way ahead to the end of Sasha's arc. Mm -hmm. Well, the end for now, because no one's ever really gone. So <laughs> the end of Asajj's arc in the Dark Disciple arc, which was released as a novel rather than Clone Wars episodes, mm. she is pulled to the back from the dark side, like pulled more towards the light side, because she falls in love with a Jedi. Ultimately fridged for his arc, but yep. we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna dwell on that or we will be here all night. But yes. <laughs> hey, what I've learned from Bad Batch is the books aren't always canon. No, they are not. So, so I'm holding on to that for now. Well my But the thing is, she could come back because her burial wasn't her being like burned like Qui-Gon. Like you're not coming back mm -hmm. from that. But she was put in like a magic lake on Dathomir. Yes. She could just come out of the magic lake on Dathomir and be like, somehow Asajj Ventress has returned. Yeah. And it, you know, it, at this rate, like with the way other, other characters have returned, like Maul lived in the garbage for 10 years and came <laughs> back and built himself spider legs. And Palpatine like cloned himself and like, you know, lived on like a, a crane for a while. Like, I I think it's feasible that the magic witch buried in the magic lake could come back with magic, you know? So I, yeah, but at the end, I think it's, it, it's arguable that like, she's not, 
she's turned in Dark Disciple because we see her make these very conscious decisions to do better throughout uh, the uh, the last few seasons of uh, of the Clone Wars. Like her helping Ahsoka is is probably the biggest example of that. Um, but there's also the moment where she is uh, she's you know on the train with Boba and she <laughs> she finds a, a, a child bride and is like, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so she you know she doesn't externally say that, but by the end of the episode, she like saves this kid and even gives a little smirk. It's like the craziest thing. Uh, and then in the comics, uh, there are two little girls who are being like attacked by uh, a large man in an alley that she stumbles across on her way to try and get the bounty on Ahsoka. And she stops and saves them and gives them a dagger. So, so you know, that's that's true. So it wasn't it wasn't the romance that made her flip. But oh, no, <laughs> no, it wasn't. You're, that's that's a that's an excellent point. But yeah. it's like it's like Yoda saying that this is not what you could be mm-hmm. and you could be more. So I guess it was just, it's like, she's had this potential to sort of not be, you know, that everything is perfect hero. Yes. Yeah. We really don't need any of those, but yeah. just her heart is in the right place when it needs to be. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, not, <laughs> I guess not every character quote unquote needs a Zuko arc, but I think Asajj was like that character who had the potential to be that. And the, you know, ultimately like her joining, any any Jedi involved things would have been a, a hard sell. But I feel like if there were, if things were cleared up, if she wasn't so his en- enemy for so long, there could have been a big change uh, at, you know, when it comes to Ahsoka's trials and, and when they were going into that. Because when they meet, and we have this in our notes, like you can see the stark difference of where their paths are going. It's like they were running these two paths in opposite directions and then suddenly they cross and they're on these different paths because throughout that conversation, you know, you have it here, like Asajj is calm, measured, Anakin is like angry and he's fine. He's trying to find someone to blame for what happened. Uh, And so of course he goes after Ventress and like, it's it's I think it's such an incredible scene because it's that moment where like you can tell these two characters are about to go on very different paths. I love it. Yeah, I, I mean like the the thing about Anakin and Asajj is like we don't we don't get to see them like banter like Obi-Wan and Asajj do because they have a different relationship, you know? You like, mean flirt. <laughs> Listen, flirt. those two. Yes. It was very, very sexy. <laughs> That is definitely that is definitely not their dynamic. They are <laughs> no. they are not the the flirty ones, but they mm-hmm. do have that fabulous duel of theirs in the two D Clone Wars, which isn't you know canon any longer because Asajj does die at the end of that. Asajj is dying an awful lot. Oh, she dies all the time. She died in Legends and came back uh, twice, I guess, because <laughs> she died in the two D Clone Wars and she died in uh, Star Wars. Well, she died first when Anakin knifed her in the comics and then she came back and then she died again and then she came back again <laughs> so, so what we're saying is Asajj is coming back, coming back. like if you can't revive a character three times in legends and then tell me that like the magic witch can't come back from the dead like that reminds me of shock t who was like murdered like ten thousand times <laughs> like yeah. in the deleted keep scene down Deleted scene of Revenge of the Sith. She died twice. She died in Yoda's vision. Mm-hmm. She died in Force Unleashed, I believe. 
Yep. And then something else too. Poor Shakti and Ventress just getting murdered all the time. All the time. Just like every woman in Star Wars. But I <laughs> I think that's also like a key, a key to their like parallels, even though I like absolutely hate it, is in a way, uh, you know, Asajj died to turn Quinlan back from the dark side, which really he should have been able to do that himself. But, you know, whatever. We'll just keep going. I like Quinlan Vaz. I'm just saying, like, you know, if Asajj could do it, maybe some other people could do it on their own as well. Um, but she was fridged to turn him back uh, to the light, which worked. And then Padme was fridged to turn Anakin back to the light, which just did not work at all. It just made it worse. <laughs> Padme was fridged to turn him to the dark. Or to the dark, yeah. Well, she, she, uh, her attempts were to turn him to the light when she yeah. came to, yeah. So her, that's what her intent, her intent was. So Asajj and, and Padme went into both situations with that full intent, and it didn't really work out for either of them. We love when Star Wars is tragedy. Hey, yeah, that's do. don't don't blame the woman. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> no, that's joking. the thing. It's not in I'm either of the these writers, situations. Not the it's not their fault. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not blaming the women at all. (laughs) I'm just saying these like trained Jedi Knights and Masters should probably have stronger will than like not trained Jedi Masters. You know, not to not to veer this into a completely different direction, but these Jedi Masters need the kind of emotional support and I assume therapy that the High Mm -hmm. Republic Jedi have access to because they seem to have it a little more together. (laughs) Yeah. I what my biggest fear for the High Republic, not to like make this is a completely different podcast, is like what's what's the thing, what's the linchpin that's going to happen to make it so that those Jedi become the Republic Jedi that we know? Like, what is going to shatter the, the Republic you know? ends their therapy sessions? <laughs> they stop subsidizing their therapy. Yeah, the, you just have to make some cuts to the budget. Yeah, <laughs> they stop being like, no, we can't approve you a ship for a boys' trip to Jeddah. No. Like, it's not happening. No. We literally cannot afford it after the Nile just, like, wiped out our freaking stuff. <laughs> I was about to spoil something, and I'm like, keep it quiet, uh, Candace. Roll it back. Yeah. It's I, been I, a month. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think it's so interesting to see, like, because if you're paying attention to them as parallels and you watch the choices they make and the fact that like more than once Anakin and Asajj are given the same kind of choice to make and they decide, you know, similar challenges, they make completely different choices at different points in their lives with these. And I think that's really cool. I also Um, like your note, Katrina, just big idiot energy. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. With them just losing their clothes during their duel. Like, I yeah, I mean, we'll let's go into that because like we talked about it on my show, but I love that like that 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 fight, that showdown, the dog fight, everything move for move was a match, you know, like mm-hmm. it, the that iconic scene where they're going up the stairs that has been turned into statues and posters. That that is when Anakin is finally losing it because he has someone who is on his level, who is giving him a run for their money. And there's something I remember from a Clone Wars documentary or like a special or something. I think it was like, you know, one of those not Rebels 
whatever, uh, the Rebels Recall or whatever, but like a Clone Wars behind the scenes where Dave goes in, Dave Filoni goes in and, and explains what Asajj is, you know, like she, he calls her a foil or a fold to both Anakin and Obi-Wan on different levels. And he says that she serves as an, a temptation for them both. But in my mind, she is a temptation in very different ways for them both. Um, and I think that like her, her role as a foil to Anakin is to show that like, if he had made different choices, if he were a different person, if he had had different experiences, but the same mindset and the same sort of attitude, this is what would have happened. I think it's it's perfect proof of that in that one scene, because like you said, they're evenly matched until Anakin starts pulling on the dark side. And starts giving into that. And you've got that awesome visual of all those masters like crying out yes. to him like, Anakin, don't do it. And Anakin's like, but I'm gonna. That's <laughs> It's Anakin, no. And Anakin's like, Anakin, Anakin no, yes. Anakin, yes. Like, that's what, that's the entire energy. <laughs> and that's when the fight turns. And that's when he wins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's, it's perfectly, like, it's such a perfect example of it. Purely yeah. because she's like, well, this could have been you. And he's like, maybe it should be. And then it is. And then Asajj, quote unquote, dies. Yeah. Dies for the first time. Several more deaths to come. <laughs> Pretty much all of Clone Wars, the Clone Wars and Clone Wars is Anakin, no, Anakin, yes. Yeah. Basically. That's the sum of it. And it's, it's just I the don't best know why. summary of that character. It reminds me of like that, uh, there, there's like an edit floating around <laughs> where uh, Ventress and, and Ahsoka are about to fl- fight the clones and Ahsoka goes, Ventress, no. And then the caption is Ventress, yes, when she brandishes her lightsabers. And I think <laughs> like even then, that is such a great like scene and show of like her development versus like what Anakin is willing to do to win a battle. Because throughout that fight, she doesn't hit us. I mean, she hits some clones, but she doesn't yeah. hit them with she her doesn't lightsabers. Kill. Yeah, she she, Ahsoka asks her not to kill anyone, and she begrudgingly agrees, and she follows through, which Mm -hmm. is insane. If you think about this, is like Dooku's former apprentice. This is like the dark side over here. She is like infamous among clones for being a murderer. Yeah. Oh gosh, that just reminds me of the scene, and like I think the first or second season where she like stabs a clone and then brings it to her, and she kisses him. God, oh, yeah, that were me. That was dark, y'all. <laughs> it was cut out of uh, of the Cartoon Network version, I think. Um, and it wasn't. I don't even know. I haven't checked the Disney Plus version, but yeah, that that was like that's the one scene I see the most of her when I like search for for Ventress. It's like that one, and then like the one where she's like brandishing her sabers into like her adorable night night sister outfit. So yeah, it's. I think it's wild to see like these these characters who like they're so like you know Ventress isn't the chosen one but there's so much potential in her when you know she she's growing up as a Jedi those like 2 minutes we get to see of her as a kid uh are just like so impactful because they show that like it's she's so close to following the path Anakin followed and if she weren't in the circumstances she she had uh it wouldn't have happened that way at all just saying, Ventress would have made a better chosen one. I mean, Suck yeah, again. She uh, she seems to make slightly better decisions, you know, later in life. So, <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I mean, like that's the other thing is that like 
I feel like her, you know, her setting off to the dark side versus Anakin when Kai died versus when Qui-Gon died is the fact that she had no one else. Like she didn't have a backup master. She didn't have exactly. Anyone. She didn't have a whole temple of people rooting for her. Just an yeah. entire support system, a very loving, like older brother figure mm-hmm. to sort of be that she had none of that. So her fall is very understandable. Yeah, exactly. Rewrite Especially Star Wars, like, put yeah. a sage there. A child, again, a child who went through slavery, who didn't have a mother Mm -hmm. to protect her during slavery, and then to go from that to having her master died, who she actually knew for more than a hot second. Sorry, Mm -hmm. Anakin. And yeah, it's just like, freaking Anakin. Sorry. I get why the audience loves Qui-Gon. I don't get why Anakin loves Qui-Gon. You know what I mean? Other than, you know. You know, it's it's the fact that like he's this mystical figure that comes out of nowhere and like changes his life in in two hours, basically. Well, in the Phantom you know? Menace, I completely understand, but after a, a decade, mm. well, of, yeah. but don't you like other as masters a kid? around you? I'm like, this is a very we- like a, to me, it's a very strange thing just to hold on to. It tracks if we jump right from episode one to two. But there have I, been ten full ten years is a long time. But this is the guy who saved him from slavery. You kind mm-hmm. of like you're not going to forget that guy. You're not going to forget the guy. But I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Anakin being holds on to but. everything. Yeah, he held on to his mother. See what happened with that. Mm-hmm. He held on to Padme. Yeah, but the he, thing is, his mother was an unknown quantity. He didn't know what was happening with his mom. Mm-hmm. That's why he held on because he was worried because they left her in slavery and they're like, not my problem. Bye. And yeah. just left her there. Well, so I, I think- understand him holding on to that because he doesn't Qui-Gon know what happened to her. also left her there. Just saying. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. The Jedi are sus. That's they are sus. They he's are holding, he's sus. idolizing this man who told his, who looked at his mom and said, sorry, I didn't bring enough money and just left her there. Like, Yeah. Well, I think Anakin's inability to let go of things makes him like this oh, the 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 thing that kind of defines him versus Asajj is that he's unable to move forward mentally from these things and Asajj constantly has to it's survival like she has to move forward she has to continue and when 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 her path of vengeance is her main focus she's you know in she's fallen to the dark she's in this awful place and it's kind of until it's not until i think you know all of the night sisters are are killed that like she realizes she's been kind of surviving on like on instinct and this is a loss that she has to actually focus on and grow from and i don't think anakin has ever had that moment because it's kind of i guess not that he's been coddled but just that he's never Mm-hmm. Been outside of that kind of safe zone. Does yeah, that make sense? yeah, yeah. And you know, uh, Mother Talzin faking her death aside, uh, I I think that like the having like Mother Talzin telling Ventress in a way like you have to continue dying here is not your destiny. You know, our, our we as sisters will always be with you. And then she moves forward and. It, it takes that immense loss that of people that she's only known for a couple, like a week or two, basically, uh, to turn her. And I think that's another interesting parallel between her and Anakin uh, with the loss of, of her people versus the loss of Qui-Gon and them getting attached to it in such a short time. I but they're this. just, they're really interesting characters. It's like, you know, it's so funny because like in a way, 
like, I don't want to simplify it as like Asajj is girl Anakin because she has so many layers, but like at their core, when, you know, their inner children basically are, they're almost twins in, in that sense, in that spiritual sense. But that's like, that's the cool thing about them is they both are so rich on their own that if the other one didn't exist, you've still got a full story. Oh, and then yeah. it's just in running these kind of parallels to their arc, intentional or otherwise, that I think makes it richer and like a lot more, a lot more compelling, I think, to consider it from that angle. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, you know, first off, to consider a character who is not like the supreme strongo, McStrongo person <laughs> as Anakin's like equal in that sense, like nobody really thinks about it that way. But that was part of what Asajj's character was is to be a foil to who Anakin was to be a foil to who Obi-Wan was and so in that way she was creating like she was playing like the part of two characters in a way uh to come together and be like this full person also if you think about their connection how Dooku was master to Qui-Gon and Qui-Gon was master to Obi-Wan they're all like part of this Jedi like family family tree so it's so sad because I like, you know, I have obsessively read Dooku Jedi Lost because I love it so much. I love watching like I like reading about like all these Jedi that I knew is in the prequels as like kids and and learning about Asajj's dynamic with Kai, which had, again, so much time to develop um, and, and how she plays into it. But it's like it's so wild. And I remember like making this high pitched noise when Padawan Kai Narek came onto the page. And I was like, Oh my God, like this character that's there for two minutes and like, doesn't have any lines, but I love him. He's here and he's got a personality and he's friends with Qui-Gon. <laughs> so it's like, it's wild. It's like Dooku is like the, <laughs> the grandpa. Little did he know that everyone would be at Qui-Gon Jen's funeral and mm -hmm. wouldn't hear his call. Not picking up nope. the phone. Not nope. at all. No. They put their their holograms to silent. Mm -mm. <laughs> so sad. God. Now I'm getting sad about the idea of Chimeric finding out that Qui-Gon is dead. No, 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 no. We're not gonna oh no. Candace. Yeah. Before we started, you mentioned that you had thought of some other duos that may or may not be dyads. Oh yes. So what okay. let's let's get into that. So yes. what are you thinking? Okay, so I've heard this stuff about like how maybe Anakin and Padme would die at, and maybe that's how Padme died at the end. Uh, hmm. I don't think Padme is force sensitive. In Everyone that has the force, though. Everyone has the force, Arzo, yeah, but not Mon. not to the extent <laughs> that like. You I think would require for a dyad. I also don't generally don't like the concept of you need the you need to have like some sort of more prominent force sensitivity to be special. I don't like that. So mm -hmm. just okay. for that alone, okay. I don't That's think one. so. Um, there was a lot of talk about how Luke and Leia were. But, oh yeah, I mean they're yeah, well, they are in a in a sense. I mean they're twins, but like they also go on these paths that like are similar but starkly opposite. Yeah, I mean they start off the same thing. <laughs> while we're here a petition for a luke skywalker uh leia princess of alderaan style novel thank you yes, pretty please i'm very excited to see more young luke and we're going to get that very soon so hopefully so yeah yeah <laughs> okay 
One of the things I was wondering, do you think maybe Ezra and Kanan, just because they like had an instant connection? You know, you know what's wild is that I, I would say not necessarily Ezra and Kanan, but I do see Ezra and Sabine as a dyad. Like I'm not what a, and you know, like you can see their relationship however you want, but I do see them as like, they're this like fold to each other. Every mm-hmm. everything that one of them lacks, the other has, and they learn from each other and they grow up together. Um, and so I, I definitely saw them because, like you know, like you said, and like Kanan says, um, especially when training Sabine, like all she has to do is be open to it, and the Force will guide her. Yeah, that was actually my my next one was Sabine Ooh. and Ezra because if you look at <laughs> like just how well they work together in the fourth season. Like, they're off. The adults are doing other stuff. Well, they're adults at this point. But, like, just <laughs> the, the adults here are adults. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the young, younger adults are off, um, <laughs> like, just kicking ass and, like, communicating without words, which I guess also, like, you grew up in more together is one thing. Mm-hmm. But, like, just, like, how he depended on her, like, at the end. And, yeah, it's just that Mando Jedi thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Mando and Jedi, generally speaking, make a really good combination. Like because of as, like you said with Ezra and Sabine, they one of them like their skill set and their knowledge set makes up for what the other one lacks. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe that's why they were at war because it was too natural a partnership. (laughs) Too many feelings. Like that's where they butt heads, right? Mm-hmm. Going, I mean, going back to like Anakin and Asajj's dyads. Like, can you imagine what would happen if they were buddies? If they were, well, yeah, friends? like, like well, just for instance, yeah. Sabine I, and Ezra. Like, mm-hmm. how well they work together, and how exactly, yeah, and what we. Oh my god! <laughs> I just realized we have talked about dyads, mm-hmm. and Arsu has been very silent about one topic. I. I'm so surprised. I'm very proud of you. First of all, first of all, because I've been in my feels all day. Yes. Because stuff I've seen on Twitter. I was like, am I going to be the one who has to bring this up? Well, okay. So because there's nothing I can say that hasn't already been covered. I think what – okay. So we are talking about Ray and Ben Solo, Mm -hmm. for those of you who have not ever heard me speak before. But (laughs) what, like, why I think they work so well as a dyad, like – in this case, a romantic dad, but like why I think they work so well purely on a skill level is that their arcs, and I was like saying this from the beginning, are so opposed to one another's that like he had the potential to be like this light side hero, mm-hmm. but because of freaking Palpatine winds up on the dark side, whereas she had every reason to fall to the dark immediately because of the circumstances in which she grew up and she didn't. And she chose to to rise and to be the hero and that sort of where their paths diverge. Like they're both heading towards each other and they pass and just way overcompensate in the other direction. Arzu, you said rise. I did. <laughs> I did. I love it. Yeah. And I mean like <laughs> they're they're a great example of like a romantic dyad. And like we have we have others like Dooku and Yoda, which is like a very deep and like unique and weird uh, I thought bond. you were going to say that that's a romantic dyad. No, no, no. no. They're, that's a, as the an example of a different kind of dyad. 
But I think, like I said, I think, I think dyads can be very different things. And like, I think the idea of it in the widespread fandom is like very singular. It's like, they have to be romantic soulmates. And it's like, no, like Ray and Ben are really good examples of what that is. And Dooku and, and Yoda are a good example of like a master apprentice dyad. And Anakin and Asajj are a good example of like opposite, uh, opposite similarity dyads, you know, like I, I think- these connections, these strong differences and like things like that are, they come in different ways. Soulmates come in different ways. I think what characterizes a dyad for me, like romantic, non-romantic, sibling, whatever, is that you are, it is two beings that are very opposed, that are on different paths, presented the same choice and don't make the same answer. But when they come together sort of in common cause, that is when they are at their most powerful. That is when they are at their most, like strong within the force. And like, that is the ideal is them coming mm-hmm. together. And the arc we see for every single dyad mentioned is like the, the potential and the power of, of their coming together. And the, you know, the regrettable thing is that both Anakin and Asajj's lives were made absolutely miserable mm-hmm. by Palpatine because even Dooku is, you know, Palpatine's apprentice and they couldn't get it together long enough mm-hmm. to sort of come together in that common cause and, and stop Palpatine because I mean, yeah, if because, I were Dooku, because of him, because yeah. he was, he had Dooku pulling the strings on this side, and he was pulling the strings on the other, and he made sure that they never fully well, realized like yeah. the power they could hold together. You know what's interesting Absolutely. with that is that, like, you know, Ben is related to Anakin. Does that make Ray a Ventress? Ooh, okay. In my perfect <laughs> world, in my perfect world, Ray re- Ray raises Ventress from the dead, and she becomes her new master, and it's really awesome. Okay, that's my perfect fanfic world. Okay, yeah. But here's the thing: we don't have anything post Rise of Skywalker, so maybe that could still happen. She she goes to the magic lake and finds her. Yeah, exactly. She's just like, "What's up on Dathomir?" And then you know, an hour later, we've got Asajj is the master, Ray is the apprentice, Ray getting cool night sister tattoos. You know, maybe, maybe Asajj teaches Ray how to bring other people back from the dead. Kate you know, exactly. Hey, you know, the possibilities are endless. Um, and and uh, yeah, I think like the it's so funny that like you brought like you brought up that that dynamic because like that's exactly how I see it. It's so like there's this Tumblr comic. I'm sorry, I'm bringing this up, but like <laughs> Ben like meets Ventress in the afterlife, oh. and, and like like she influences him, and so it's it's like it's wild. Like I didn't get super deep into it because I got distracted, but like it's it, it's crazy that like it's wild that like a lot of people see these like similarities and see how Ventress could like uh, a, a relate to characters like Ray and Ben. Well, like Ventress, I think if you had put her and Ray in the same room, she'd be like, I completely get this girl. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, sort of abandoned, sold, you might say, by the mm-hmm. people who were supposed to raise her for their own benefit. Mm-hmm. Like, sold and then left in a terrible situation where you are completely beholden to somebody who abuses you. Mm-hmm. And then sort of tossed back and forth between other people before sort of finding your purpose. Like, Ray and Ventress have very parallel arcs, like when you look at the broad strokes of it. So mm-hmm. I feel like they get along Ventress very well. Ventress a dyad? <laughs> I mean, a, a dyad. Listen, dyads are connections across space and time. Mm. So being separated by two generations is yes. no reason to stop them. Okay. I have one last one. Grogu and Macaroons. Oh, yes. yes mm-hmm. Absolutely. They connect on such a high level. 
Yeah, I thought And the so. thing is, they, they came together to teach an <laughs> elementary school bully a lesson. Yes. Oh. So. Teaching. Very important force moment. Yes. <laughs> and, and you know, like every other dyad, they were met with tragedy too when, when Grogu vomited up the cookies on the yeah. Razor Crest. They became mm-hmm. one so and then they separated. They became one and then <laughs> had to part. Yep. Don't eat your dyad, guys. Doesn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> or okay, no, that's waffles after dark talk. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I was thinking cannibalism, but okay, fine. You want to go there? <laughs> it's cannibalism if it's non-romantic. It's not cannibalism if it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! We, okay, this is where there, this episode's going. There are two type of people. <laughs> <laughs> we have sick minds. We have dirty minds. My mind, my mind has bought property in the gutter. Yeah, it doesn't right. live with me anymore. It just lives in the gutter. This mm-hmm. is why we have waffles after dark. Love it. I need to. I need to hit up waffles after dark. Someday. Yeah, you need to join us on one please. of those. <laughs> Very excited. Yes, talk let's do about that. about the uh, about eating your diet. <laughs> Sure, why not? <laughs> Eating blank your dyad. Oh yeah. boy. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> Eating blank the Jedi Master that you see on the side. <laughs> All right. If you want to hear more of this talk, please subscribe to our Patreon. For a dollar, you can unlock this kind of content. Patreon.com slash the waffle. So was there anything else? Um, I, I, I'm just very, I'm glad you guys brought up all these other points about like how, uh, you know, Anakin and Ventress's paths didn't diverge when they diverged because Palpatine all along was pulling the strings, uh, because Palpatine knew that if he let those two chaotic idiots become friends, he would not win. It was Palpatine. Oh, (laughs) it's going to be in my head all night now. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. But uh, yeah, Asajj and Anakin are, I think, one of the, one of my favorite and most interesting dyads in Star Wars, and I hope a lot more people think about it. Awesome. So, Katrina, can mm. you tell everybody where to find you online? And where to find your Geeky Waffle podcast. Yes, that too. You can find my Geeky Waffle podcast on the Geeky Waffle. It is called The Fight Club Far, Far Away. You can also follow us on Twitter at FFA Fight Club, I think. Yes. I think so. No, Fight Club FFA. It's one of those two. I'm not looking at it. I really should be. Uh, you can also check out my other two podcasts, uh, Padro Pascal, a, a journey through the filmography of actor Pedro Pascal that I record with my dear friend Rachel. And then also Itumanta uh, Tambien, a pop culture uh, exploration from a Latinx point of view that I do with my friend Kayla. And if you're looking for me, you can find me anywhere. If you search for Ocatrina, that's O-H-C-A-T-R-I-N-A, or in uh, your local chocolate aisle. I just checked, and it is Fight Club FFA for Ocatrina's show. (laughs) As for us, you can find us mostly on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle. You can also find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at The Geeky Waffle. And as we mentioned earlier, patreon.com slash the Geeky Waffle for access to things like our Discord server and Waffles After Dark. And if you want to talk to either Candace or myself personally, I'm at Arzuamin and Candace is at Candace is a Geek. So thank you so much for listening. Obi-Wan did nothing wrong and may the waffles be with you.